The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky. Kinky connections and kinky education. We're kinky done differently. What women and other wonderful humans want. A frank and fun discussion about the way people approach each other for romance, relationships, friendships, or other partnerships that make us happy, as well as an intimate discussion about how to connect with our own authentic self, with questions asked by a guy. And now, here is your host, John, or as we call him around here, hi there, catsuit. Hello there, Nookie. A lot of the time when I bring on a guest, I never know what to expect. And never was that more true than my visit with an amazing fetish model, tattoo model, and star of so many different forms of content that I can't even count. And boy, it's always amazing to be called doll for an interview. Miss Whitney Morgan is the co-host of Demon Seed Radio and Orlando's premier alternative fetish model, a lifestyle fetishist specializing in all kinks featuring her love of latex, bondage, feet, femdom, and all that is bizarre. Starting her career on her 18th birthday in burlesque before entering the adult entertainment industry full-time. Hobbies include memes, cooking, baking, cat rescue, obsessing over Marilyn Manson, and otherwise being a complete workaholic. Here now, Miss Whitney Morgan on what women and other wonderful humans want. It's five questions about memorable firsts. We call it the first five. And as always, we start with the first five. Five questions about first with Miss Whitney Morgan like how you paused in between each one too it just gives it more of a echoing effect bigger than life i can yeah. maybe add an echoing effect if you'd like me to i mean Go i'm not gonna that. say no <laughs> miss whitney, whitney morgan. morgan first time you ever had ink put on your body and what was it You see, I'm like, oh, God, it was horrible. I was 17. Let's 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 paint a picture here. Is a, a friend of a friend of a friend's boyfriend did tattoos out of his trailer. Oh boy. Yeah, and the only thing he asked for in return was a uh, um, a case of beer. And the friend that I went to, because he was on house arrest, found that out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the friend that I went with to get tattooed, um, she worked at a grocery store. I won't say the name of it, although it's really only in the South. And everybody would recognize it by that name. Um, so since she was a, she was underage as well, at 17 as well, but she... Uh, <laughs> 
she was a cashier so I could ring things up or I could go through her line and buy things because mind you this was 19 years ago um could go through her line and buy whatever and she's not going to card me um so we bring over a case of beer and she goes first she gets a what was supposed to be a fairy on a lily plat lily pad with shooting stars around it and all the while uh, i sit there and watch everything get done i'm 17 i'm all stoked up like oh my god i'm gonna have a tattoo and be the coolest kid ever blah 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 um he goes to do mine which i thought it would be a, a, a brilliant idea to get a thong tattooed on me because the whole whale tail sensation was going on where girls wear their thongs out of their pants and i'm like you know what i'm gonna be the coolest ever i'm gonna have a permanent thong on me so it'll always be popping out of my pants no i was fucking stupid i was really fucking stupid um he got just like the little t-back part of it done on the back of me and i wanted it to connect around with shooting stars he just did the flames of the shooting stars when I sobered up enough and saw her tattoo and said, we're done. <laughs> we're done. I don't care where you are at this point in time. Just please, for the love of God, stop. Let me look at it. And it looked like flames shooting out of my ass. And <laughs> hers looked like the dirty, um, the little dirty kid off of Charlie Brown with a blanket. With like flies instead of pig a fairy. Absolutely. Yeah, pig pen. yeah, instead of a fairy with shooting stars, it looked like pig pen on a, his blanket with flies. Um, <laughs> at the moment I turned 18, I had it covered up with a biomechanical spine, which was another tattoo, you know, catastrophe is that uh, artist was an intern and was not very good at his work and fucked it up pretty badly. Um, mm. And as of two years ago now, I finally got it covered up with a death's head hawk moth and uh, honeycombs to cover everything up. <laughs> but that poor part, my lower back, like don't get tramp stamps, ladies. It's 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 always gonna it's always gonna end up fucked up. <laughs> Third time's a charm, though. <laughs> Moving ahead one year from age seventeen, first time you ever stepped foot on a stage and started removing your clothes when i was 18 i actually started with a burlesque troupe um like freshly 18 i turned 18 in january so i was actually still in high school but of legal age um and started with a burlesque troupe in the, in the orlando area literally three yeah three days after my birthday my birthday is january 4th and i started them on january 7th how were you feeling doing that happy um <laughs> empowered, um, exhilarated, um, happy to finally get into something that was more of my element or find a crowd that was more into uh, weirder shit, <laughs> so to speak. First time anyone ever tied you up or you tied someone else up? My first intimate boyfriend and I experimented with bondage the age of <laughs> before 18. <laughs> um, after 18, um, I actually suggested doing a bondage photo shoot with a photographer that I had been working with for nude, nude uh, like, there's a 
a show down here in Orlando. It's actually in Orlando, Tampa and Miami now called Nude Nights. And it's an artsy show that incorporates a lot of kink and burlesque into it. It's kind of like the dirty, the dirty show up in um, Jersey or not mm-hmm. Jersey, uh, Detroit. Um, but I suggested that we shoot something bondage related. And I mean, I was maybe two, three months into being 18 years old. Um, I just assumed that it would be a really great art piece is to have not, not so much of a damsel in distress, but more rope artwork, um, more, uh, how did I just forget the name of it? <laughs> Shibari style on mm-hmm. me. So, I mean, that was just a couple months after I turned 18 and we submitted it. It didn't get into the art gallery, but we still shot it. They were great pictures. And we had a good time. First time someone you knew came back to you and said, I saw this video of you, dot, dot, dot. Um, that's a good question. I'm trying to think. <laughs> um, I did have a coworker when I was roughly, I want to say 19, um, that found out, I don't know if she actually saw any of the content, but she found out what I did and kind of snubbed me. Um, I did get like, not in-person conversations, but I did get messages back in the MySpace day from people I went to high school with. They'd be like, oh my God, we found out. I saw you on a, you know, that, that, that major tube site, <laughs> the <laughs> e-hub. Um, so pretty early on in my career was I'd say about 19 or so is when people actually came back and be like, ah, you did what? <laughs> You're where? You're naked. <sighs> so yes, pretty, well, pretty sure. early on. <laughs> I, although I have had, I want to say, I'm trying to, maybe 21, 22-ish. So a little, fuck, like 15 years ago, I actually had someone recognize me in public. Um that knew that you know had seen me on the internet and said something to me but that's an extreme rarity i try to dumb myself down as much as humanly possible when i'm out in public the tattoos don't help at all somebody recognized me on south beach a week ago too so because you are in the industry that you are and because you are so active in social media i will ask the traditional fifth (laughs) first five question First time you ever received an unsolicited dick pic and your reaction to it. I've received so many at this point in time. I don't even remember when the first one. <laughs> the last one was this morning. <laughs> um, my reactions, ew. So I want to say I was probably getting them during MySpace days. So 2003, 2004 when everything was so poorly pixelated, it's not like they were decent pictures anyways, but it's still, it's like, why? What what is the initial reaction you think I'm gonna have? Like, oh my God, I must have it. Let me jump through my computer or phone screen right now just to ravage you. Like, are you stupid? (sighs) It's just dumb. Hi, my name is Leanne and I am the owner of Polyphilia, where you can get your daily fix of memes dedicated to polyamory, ethical non-monogamy, and personal growth in open relationships. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at polyphiliablog, spelt P-O-L-Y-P-H-I-L-I-A-B-L-O-G. I hope to see you there, and please also check out my episode on what women and other wonderful humans want. 
Hi, this is Jane Boone, the author of the novel Edge Play. It's a revenge fantasy where the big short meets Fifty Shades of Grey. Only the women wield the whips and the billionaires submit. You can find it at Amazon in paperback or for your Kindle. And be sure to check out my episode with Tara Indiana right here on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Thank you. Hello, I'm Jessie Sage from Peep Show Media. Peep Show Media is a multimedia magazine bringing news and stories from the sex industry. Be sure to check out our website at peepshowmedia.com for essays, porn reviews, events, interviews, news stories, and more. Also, make sure to listen to our podcast, The Peep Show Podcast, anywhere you get podcasts. And for a bit more of a personal glance into my life, make sure to check out my January 15th interview on what women and other wonderful humans want. Are you liking what you're hearing? Check out the Total Archives wherever you find your podcasts. And please remember to subscribe so you don't miss a minute. And while you're there, help John out by giving him a rating and review. We really appreciate your feedback. Now, let's get back to what women and other wonderful humans want. Miss Whitney Morgan is Orlando, Uh, Florida's, yes. I said, that's my name, don't wear it out. Miss Whitney Morgan is Orlando, Florida's premier alternative and fetish model. And when you have people that recognize you or want to connect with you, is it intimidating for you or is it intimidating for them? Intimidating for them at this point in time. Um, I got shy about it when I would have people approach me just, you know, like, like, the first time I was at my vanilla job and was recognized and that was intimidating and kind of terrifying because you never expect I never expected this to go as far as it did I never expected to make this into a career and a full-time job I I loved doing it as a hobby when I started out and um, never knew that it would grow to the extent that it did so back in the day when I did have a vanilla job and I um, had to tame things down quite a bit. Um, it was more intimidating for me because I didn't want to be recognized at this point in time, all bets are off. I don't care. Come up, say hello to me. Like I said, last week I was in South a week and a half ago. Oh wait, shit. Tomorrow's Friday already. So two weeks ago I was in South beach. My God, time flies. Um, was in South beach and literally somebody tweeted me saying, I saw a girl on the beach today that looked like Miss Whitney Morgan and had tattoos and everything. And I was like, that was me. (laughs) (laughs) Who the hell else has a giant Marilyn Manson portrait on their thigh? I don't know anybody. So, um, that's, I actually was kind of mad that the fan didn't come up and say hi to me. That would make me mad. I'm like, you're going to tweet me and you didn't come up here. Like, between the colored hair and the tattoos, it's a pretty good bet you can spot me out if you get close enough to see me. So, I mean, I think I, at this point, intimidate other people and I am socially awkward, loud, and boisterous in person. So that probably makes other people more uncomfortable and intimidated than, than me, at, this, at least at this given point in time. Whitney, do you ever miss out because of that? Miss out as in? As in making an amazing connection with someone or has anybody been so scared to approach you that you may have lost a really cool connection? 
I'm sure it has. Um, I know at least at conventions, I try to pull people out of their comfort zone and make them come over and talk to me. Um, again, I probably intimidate people in that aspect, but on the other hand, you came to a convention to have fun, to meet your favorite stars, to, you know, open up a little bit. So I feel like part of that is my job to make, try to, try to uh, break, have them break out of their shell and come over and say hi. And a lot of times when I've initiated the conversation in that aspect, I've at least gotten them to come over, you know, get a picture together, say hello, get some swag at whatever booth I'm at. So I've, I think I've benefited at least in that aspect that it made them a little bit, a little bit more comfortable, mm -hmm. but I'm sure there's been a few, they were like, no, she's too much. <laughs> <laughs> what are things that people can do to form a good connection with you? And what are some of the things that will absolutely break that connection? Um, good things. I love memes. <laughs> that's, that's how I've connected with a lot of my fans, actually, on social media is uh, they'll send me memes um, through whatever outlet and uh, we chit chat and laugh about those things. Um, cat pictures, being kind to animals or other things I love connecting on. Recipes. Uh, I have a, a fan actually in Chicago that he brings me recipes like his homemade recipes and everything every time i'm up there i've made the most amazing chicago roast that he gave me the recipe from that so um he sent me a bunch of different cookbooks and everything so it's you know if we can connect on the same kind of hobbies and things like that like i love cooking i love baking i love animals i love to laugh i love a good joke i love people to be open and honest and straightforward um that's the other thing is a lot of fans if they do contact me um they're very like, hey, silence. Can I ask you a question? Just, just come right with it. Just open up. Um, so I, it's easier for me to connect with people that are going to be a little bit more outspoken um, as far as bad connections. If you start with the dick pic, probably not going to be my friend. <laughs> um, anybody who doesn't like animals or is any cruelty towards animals, um, because I do get some requests from those from people. Um, anybody who wants to bash this business or kink shame, that's really a, a definitely a, a spot on. I don't want to associate with you. But other than that, I'm pretty open-minded and I love talking to people about absolutely everything, whether or not it's my kink. I still love to experiment. I still love to learn. That's the best thing about this is, is learning from all my different fans and other co-performers and producers and podcasters is finding out more information about the industry because I'm co you're constantly learning here. There's always new fun things to explore. So, I mean, that's, I'm most open-minded about that. So, What is your definition of love? <sighs> well, I'm a Capricorn, so I don't have a heart. <laughs> <laughs> um love i mean there's so many it's so complex you can love someone in a friendship way um you can love them in an obsessive way you can you know whether you covet them um i think the truest form and definition of love would be um not that you put that person on a pedestal but you put them uh, right up there with the importance of yourself you find yourself to be equals and you, you 
you almost put that person before yourself, but you don't, you're not so, you're not selfish. You're not um, egotistical about it. You're not obsessive that you have a true deep down equal compassion to them. Equal, equal, equal. It's, I feel like if, you know, you love someone, they don't love you back the same, then it's going to that obsessive level. Or if you don't love them as much, then you're unappreciative in that aspect. And then it's just more of a, an adoration. And it was, that was difficult. <laughs> With the personality that you have mm-hmm. and the work that you do, has it been hard to find love? Hmm. Yes and no. That's a really complex question. Hmm. I am married. We do have our difficulties with this industry and kinks that we each enjoy. So I think more often than not, this industry does make it more difficult to find love. Um, At least someone who is on an equal uh, playing field is, is, is you. Um, It just seems to be a lot more difficult because of the level of open-mindedness, respect, honesty, communication. And there's so many, it's like almost like an onion. There's so many, you just keep peeling away the layers, the layers, the layers. And unless you understand that there are that many layers and there has to be that much understanding communication. um, It's, it's very difficult. I hear more horror stories of breakups and bad, bad, bad breakups in this industry that I've heard from any job in my entire life, any friendship in my entire life, any, you know, it's, it's, it's hard because if you're with someone that doesn't understand what you do and it confuses them and they don't understand that. Okay. Well, again, there's different levels of love. Um, I can love one of my friends deeply. We could be best friends. What doesn't mean I want to, I don't romantically love them. I love them like a sister or a brother. Um, and I think a lot of people that want to date someone in this industry do not understand that you this you're involved emotionally in a lot of different things and well, different aspects in this uh business you know because a lot of things are hands-on they're physical and you develop emotions and that bouts about or it spurs about jealousy then with any partners so yeah very difficult very very difficult <laughs> It is a constant battle. <laughs> and this may be a loaded question, but how does one overcome the jealousy? I don't think you can, honestly. I think if someone is jealous, they're going to be jealous. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter how much they try to get over it. There, there are just people in this world that have jealous bones in their body and that will not break. Um, and I think until, I mean, maybe sometimes some experiences where a partner who is jealous could join their partner on set or at a play party, et cetera, and get to experience it and experiment firsthand and see that it's not maybe all the crazy shit they're thinking in their head, that it is, you know, a completely different lifestyle. You know, set life is very, you know, very work driven. It's not like a lot of us, will, you, you know, we, it's like a job. It is like a regular job, although we love our job there's still, you go in, there's certain things you have to get done and you leave. It's not a bunch of, it's not a whole play party when the cameras are on. So I think if a partner, if a jealous partner is given the opportunity to experience a day in their partner's work, 
for themselves that might kill off some jealousy or could make things worse. But, you know, once a jealous person, they really are just constantly a jealous person. You can't really change. And you can't change people unless they want to change themselves. Realizing that you're a polyamorous can be a wonderful insight. The Polyamory Dating Guide is a book about finding other people who share your view of polyamory and want to share it with you. This book includes a variety of sections on poly-specific dating, such as navigating online dating with a review of poly-specific dating sites and how to make a profile that works, real-time dating tips that will tell you where to find polyam people and how to make a positive impression, how to date as an existing couple, and if you should, dating as an introvert, queer in dating, and lots more. Get your copy at polyamorydatingguide.com. Hi, this is Rachel Leadham, aka The Conscious Masochist. I'm an author and sadomasochism integration mentor who encourages the mindful exploration of your dark side. I offer astrological birth chart readings to interpret your sadomasochistic blueprint through the clues found within your chart. You can learn more about my work, including the ebook Conscious Masochism, at my website, www.rachelleadham.com. And join us on Instagram at The Conscious Masochist. And be sure to check out my episode in the archives of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Do you want to leave us a comment, thought, or have something to contribute to the show? You can now call or text us at the 3W hotline at 513-788-2527. That's 513-788-2527. Or drop us an email at john, J-O-N, at datingkinky.com. That's john, J-O-N, at datingkinky.com. We can't wait to hear from you. When did Miss Whitney Morgan become Miss Whitney Morgan? January 7th, 2003. <laughs> About 10.30 p.m. <laughs> Not kidding. <laughs> Expand on that a little bit. Um, so actually, no, it was January 4th. It was on my birthday. I went out um to downtown orlando to celebrate my 18th birthday with a friend of mine and it was a wednesday night there was jack shit going on downtown absolutely nothing entertaining and really especially nothing that was like 18 and up every lot of things were 21 and up so we stumbled upon a burlesque troupe tryout and it was kind of one of those I'll do it if you do it. Let's try it. Let's see if we get in. We did <laughs> almost immediately. And um, lo and behold, the actual, the next like actual meeting that we had to go to the house mom's house and do practices and learn more information was January 7th. So it was three days later after my birthday. And that's when they're like, well, we got to come up with a persona for you. And lo and behold, here she is. <laughs> um, that era to clips for sale was just opening up and there weren't many outlets that, you know, there was MySpace, but there wasn't Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, model mayhem, all these different outlets. I don't even think FetLife was around, but I'm not hundred percent sure. Um, there was all these different outlets that never existed that, um, that we use nowadays to recruit models, um, exchange information, post content. 
So it was really a lot of dot-com sites, membership sites, and they relied solely on other models getting referral fees. Mm -hmm. So almost like I just basically got thrown to the wolves and was getting hired already by like bondage producers and working for the art, uh, you know, art new gallery. Um, so, um, I, I, it all happened very, very quickly, but yeah, I went by just Morgan beforehand. That's why I started out as just Morgan. And then everybody, um, was like, Oh, you gotta have a two part name, you know, you gotta have a first to last. And then I was a huge, and still am actually a huge fan of Dita Von Tees. And I liked that she had three syllables, Dita Von Tees. So I was like, fuck it, Miss Whitney Morgan. And here I am 18 years later. <laughs> Sometimes in the first five, I will ask the question, first time you ever felt a little different. Can you go back to a time where your life started taking a turn towards who you are today? Hmm. I'd say about eight. Um. I always liked things a little bit more dark and eerie and gothic. And I still remember my dad having a conversation with me around then that uh, like, I think my parents thought I was going to turn out to be a lesbian. Hmm. And I don't know what tendencies I was doing at that given moment in time, but my dad had a conversation with me that which, whether I, I wanted to go out and pick up girls, pick up guys, he didn't care. He'd love me no matter what. And I'm like, why are you? what am I doing? I was very tomboyish. So I don't, they always thought maybe I was going to be a lesbian, but I remember that conversation going, yeah, well, like, there must be something different about me. Somebody that they see that I don't. Um, so that was about that. And then um, I'd say around 12 is when I started being more intrigued about BDSM kind of things, but wasn't really a hundred percent sure about it. Didn't really know anything. It was more of watching Madonna and Marilyn Manson music videos and seeing more of the dark arts, um, wearing fishnets and, uh, 13 had a boy offer to worship my feet in school. And at the time I was just flabbergasted not like I didn't want him to do it I was just shocked as shit because he was one of the most like popular preppy boys and here I am a super goth girl in fishnets and he pulls me to the side at lunch <laughs> so I just didn't say anything because I was just so blown away and obviously missed my opportunity to start experimenting back then but um definitely pre-teens pre-teens is when something clicked for de definitely was there a role model at the time that you kind of looked up to? Madonna. Madonna and Marilyn Manson, really. Um, no, no one in my, like, actual personal life. Mm -hmm. I, I did have, there was an older girl. Like, I was in sixth grade and she was in eighth grade. And um, she was a little bit more on the weird, dark side. But it was more about her helping me score CDs that had parental advisory stickers on them. <laughs> <laughs> I often wonder what happened to her. <laughs> Tell me about your love for Marilyn Manson, because obviously it's a huge part of your life. 
I I don't get it. <laughs> I don't know. I've always been a fan of him since yeah, about 12, about 12 years old. Um, I've met him a few times and he's just very well-spoken, very intelligent. Um, we share almost the same birth date. So we do have a lot of similar weird tendencies. I know that he is personally into BDSM. Um, I know that he is also a switch, which intrigues me even more. Um, and every single time I've met him, I couldn't say enough about what a kind, sweet person he was. And, you know, it's just very open-minded to me and talking to me. Um, and normally, you know, when you meet your idols, it either goes one way or the other. It seems like I met mine and it went to the, like the super love. Okay. This guy is awesome. He's very, very nice. And the whole tattoo thing was kind of like a little suggestion from my tattoo artist. He's like, I want to do a portrait. I'm like, all right, let's do it. And then it went into the whole leg sleeve. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> let's just do a leg sleeve on you. I was like, okay, well, what's the theme? Marilyn Manson. All right, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> If I don't like it at one point in time, he can cover it up. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing to have somebody that you, and you, the chance you get to have to actually meet him, which is pretty cool. I've been able to meet some of my idols and it can be intimidating. Uh, was it at oh, first, yeah. was it at first fangirling or was it at, uh, well, you were perfectly talk. cool with it? No, I couldn't talk at all. I was just, huh? <laughs> I walk in, he told me I was pretty, and I'm like, did that what to me? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm like, I'm having a heart attack. I'm like, no, I smell from wearing leather and latex out in the, out in the heat. It's August. And I just had to deck myself out in leather pants and a latex corset. And I'm like, I stink. I'm sweaty. And he just told me I was pretty. Oh, my God. So, no, I, uh, I freaked out. I freaked out every single time. The last time I was at least a lot more calm after a, a few drinks and me. I'm like, deep breath. Don't make an ass of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you bring up the leather and latex. Yes. Was there an origin story about when those materials started becoming such an important and integral part of your life? My first boyfriend bought me a leather corset. So that was high school age. Um, and just love the feel of that. I love leather. It's really hard to take care of or keep up as far as taking care of it. Um, I like a lot. I like a tire that's like a second skin, like you're wearing right now. <laughs> <laughs> you gave it away. I know. <laughs> I, I like things that just, they smooth the body out that, you know, it just feels like it's, it's part of you. Um, my first latex piece I bought was with a female photographer. We got to go to a big fetish store in South Florida and I coveted that dress until the day it literally disintegrated. <laughs> it wasn't too terribly long ago. I'm pretty good at taking care of latex. Um, I love latex. I just don't love how much it makes me sweat. It's really hot in Florida and it is absolutely miserable to wear in the summer down here. I will still do it. Though. <laughs> I will still do it. Um, I definitely am a bigger fan of latex. The, the feel of it, the smell of it is something about the smell of it that really is a, a trigger for me. Um, how 
silky it is and everything as well and how you, the layers are so beautiful um i like again i like leather but it is a lot heavier and it, it is harder to take care of in my opinion um i have some pieces that should probably say a little prayer for them right now <laughs> <laughs> um but uh, I don't, it's just something about the look, the feel, and the smell of all, of all of them that I just, I can't get enough of. I have a really big thing with like my, um, with fragrances and my actual sense of smell or so it's a big, a lot of things will trigger me for my sense of smell for some reason. If I were to do an elevator pitch to explain who you are to somebody who doesn't know you, I would say goth meets 50s glamour. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. How do those things mesh so beautifully for you? I don't know. Hell if I know. That's a very good question. <laughs> I think it's the hair. But every pose I that I see of yours very much takes me back to the days of the 50s. I have done a significant amount of pinup modeling and pinup workshops. So I think that's where it's triggered from um, over the last almost two decades, almost two decades. Oh my God, <laughs> that hurts to say. Yeah, over the last almost two decades, I've done a significant amount of, of pinup uh, modeling and workshops. And I've also done hair and makeup for some as well if I'm not in them. So I don't know, it's in my blood somehow. When did fetish modeling start to become a big part of your life? Pretty much right from the get-go. Mm -hmm. um, I've always been more of a fan of the actual photo modeling than video because a lot of the video stuff gets tedious in the fact that it's a lot of it is repetitive. You know, it's the same specific genre over and over and over again that I'm having to do for certain companies or customs. Um, a lot of times with the photo modeling, it's a collaborative effort between myself and the photographer. So we have a lot more free will in it. And I can also chatter my brains out and chit chat and talk while I'm doing it too. So the photo modeling is tend to be a lot more fun and I've always leaned more towards it. And uh, like I mentioned, I the art nude photographer I work with, we did some fetish stuff as well with the bondage. And that was, God, 18 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so I've always done a, a lot of photo modeling. Um, and I mean, video was not nearly as popular either um, 18 years ago. You know, there were still a lot more. We didn't have high-speed internet like we do now a lot of people were still on 56k dial up and everything so it's <laughs> people really weren't buying these 4k hd videos still wanted pictures to jerk off to you know <laughs> <laughs> i remember 28.8 when it would take you 20 minutes to get a picture if it if the connection stayed <laughs> mm -hmm. that was always the fun part there mm-hmm you talked about the way leather and latex make you feel. Do you like being tied up? Um, not as much anymore. I feel like I've done my dues at that point in time. Although I do consider myself a switch, I definitely have far more of a dominant side to me, especially the older I get, and the more I learn. 
Um, I started out pretty much, I wouldn't say super submissive, but definitely more like a little rope bunny in that aspect and wanting to do bondage and wanting to get tied up and wanting to learn more in that aspect. And now that I have all that knowledge, I much prefer to be the top. Not saying it's not fun sometimes. I still do enjoy it. I just don't as much. I prefer to be the top. What is your style of topping? Sensual dom. Hmm. typically essential um, unless somebody is into cbt if they're into cbt i mean even at that that my verbiage is still far more of a sensual dom as well um i don't like hurting anybody's feelings i like people to have a good time so i feel like that that genre and keeping it more in the sensual dom area everyone's still going to have an uplifted mood about themselves. I'm not going to say anything that's going to be a trigger for somebody because you never know what word out there if I were to say something mean or bratty that might kill the entire mood. One thing that I have noticed about you that I absolutely love is you are, and I may be assuming something. (laughs) Maybe. But you seem immune to any kind of body shaming. You are very proud of who you are and you show it all the time. And it surprised me when I was looking through Mm misswhitneymorgan.com, there was actually this one video that talked about fat shaming. And I was Mm -hmm. like, that's interesting. I know it's a fetish, but you portray your body in the most beautiful way, no matter how you look. And that's what I love about looking at your pictures. You're confident as hell every time I see you. I try. (laughs) I try. Is it an act? Um, I mean, I have my ups and my downs. Right now, I'm a lot heavier than I would like to be. And I'm working on that. Um, Yay, COVID and being stuck at home for an entire year and not getting to travel. And baking way too damn much (laughs) um no i i again i have my ups and downs a lot of things that i or one thing that i do strive to do is i will film on days that i'm feeling feeling my best um i think like if there's a day where i'm like like today i'm like i my face does not feel like wearing makeup today i'll slap on some lipstick and uh you know, hope for the best. It's the days that I wake up and I am excited to film and I'm excited to put makeup on and get dolled up and I'm not forced into it. I feel like that personality and that excitement um, and confidence is expressed on film. So there's been days where I'm like, you know what? Nope. Today's not the day. You're going to look like shit on film. You're not going to be happy about it. Uh, you're not going to like the content and you, the whole day will be a wash if I try. Um, so, I mean, there are days that I'm like, mm, I'd just rather stay in bed. Fuck this. Um, and so I, I, I do try to focus on the good days and days that I, I do feel my best or I've, you know, worked out, <laughs> gone to the gym and got that extra power. No, I don't. The, a lot of the, the fat shaving stuff on the site is been custom requests. That's mm-hmm. 99.9% of what I do anymore is custom videos, um, which also helps with my filming because I will compile a bunch of them and then pick that. Okay, today's going to be a good day. We're going to shoot on this day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll compile a 
bunch of custom videos to shoot on those days, but that's, I will shoot not anything, but I will shoot just about anything that makes someone else happy. Cause I don't want to kink shame them. I want to make them happy. And I want mm -hmm. them, if that's what they're into, that's what they're into. It's not, might not be my thing, but that's the, yeah, that's why there are a couple fat shaming ones on there is because it's something someone asked me to please do. And all right, if that's your thing, that's your thing. Um, but I mean, as far as that, I have, I've also friends of every single different size out there. Um, and myself, I've been not every single size, but I've definitely gone through the variants over the years. <laughs> Misa Nevers was sweet enough to do a custom video for me uh, because oh. I had done some work and she and Christina Carter got together and they did an amazing custom video. Uh, having with my, uh, it was a damsel in distress where Christina was the damsel, Nisa Ooh. was playing the villain, both of them dressed in cat suits, Ooh. and it was a point of view that uh, Nisa found out that Christina liked me, and you. it became this back and forth thing where I couldn't save Christina. And uh, it was really beautifully done and it just made me smile so very much. What makes a good custom video? Because Nisa somewhat knew me, but when you have somebody just simply ordering a custom video and you don't know a lot about them, mm -hmm. what's the key to success? I like to have a little bit of correspondence with the customer. Um, I will ask various questions about, you know, if they give me a short little tiny description, I will ask, you know, a, a bunch of different questions. Like, are there, is there any particular dialogue? Is there any background story to this? Is there a certain way you'd want my hair, makeup, you want me to wear, what particular clothing you want me to wear? You know, what sets the mood for this? Um, and a lot of times if, if they, want something super specific in that aspect they will let me know that information sometimes um it's just simply that they want one particular act they don't care about anything else it is just this one particular thing they want to see me do and that's it that's all that's all they need but more often than not they will reply back and we will have a little bit of a back and forth conversation um about what they uh what else they need in that video. And that helps me get to know them a little bit more. And more often than not, most of my customers are return customers. Mm -hmm. So I get to know them over the years and through shoot, shooting more and more videos for them. Um, then, then I get a little bit better understanding about them and their personality and what they're particularly into, especially after that first video that I sent them. Uh, they'd come back and tell me, okay, Whitney, I liked X, Y, and Z in this. This was great. This is exactly what I wanted. Hey, next time, can you please not do X, Y, and Z over here? So I get a better understanding of what that particular customer is into because everybody is different. Do you have a favorite that you've ever done? I don't, I can't say that I've had a favorite that I've ever, like an absolute favorite because that would be me playing favorites. Mm -hmm. I actually got asked this the other day in a fan question Friday uh, AMA. <laughs> um, one that I've done recently that I found very entertaining was um, a, basically a coronavirus um, theme to it where the virus has now 
um, manipulated people into tiny little gummy bears. That's the new, that's the newest strain is it turns you into a tiny gummy bear. So here I am a big, bad giantess to this little gummy bear that has been, you know, you know, the newest mutation of the strain. And uh, I have to cop at him and, and hold on to him and promise him I'm not going to eat him that we're going to wait together. And I'm going to have, make sure that he stays safe for us to find a cure or for him to get vaccinated. <laughs> and then of course I can't help myself. And I start licking him like just a little taste. And then, of course I eat him. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, that was a fun one that I shot. Re- that was recently that I was like, you know what? That's different. I like that. And it's, it's relevant to everything that's going on in the world. I'm like, ah, I like that. <laughs> I will never yuck somebody else's yum. Mm-hmm. I have friends who are foot fetishists. Mm-hmm. I, you are not a foot fetishist. I'm not a foot fetishist, but I see a lot of content about it. Mm-hmm. You have an awful lot of fun with it from fuzzy socks, <laughs> which I saw the other day. It made me laugh uh, to fish nets, to bare feet. Mm-hmm. What is it about that that makes it so amazing? It's just another body part, in my opinion, that Mm -hmm. somebody's into. Just like tits or ass or pussy. You know, everybody has a certain thing. Because, you know, there's belly button fetishists. There are, um, I can't remember, the collarbone, the decollete Mm -hmm. fetishist as well. I have a friend that's like obsessive over collarbones. That's his thing. Um, so, I mean, there are all these different parts to the body that people are into feet just happen to be the number one thing after like tits and ass. Mm. (laughs) Um, I think you also learn, learn a lot about how a woman takes care of herself by seeing her feet. Cause obviously you walk up to someone, if they're wearing open toe shoes or flip-flops, you can see how well manicured or, pe- or excuse me, pedicured her feet are and how well kept they are. Now she's not going through the effort to take care of her feet. She's taking care of other things. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of guys will look at that as a comparison that, Oh wow, her feet are really well kept. That means she must keep the rest of her body done, very nicely done. Um, it also, I mean, body odor is another big thing too. So that has a lot of human pheromones in it. So people can, really get off on the smell of feet um for me personally i love having my feet worshipped i love them you know biting massaging and there are certain erogenous zones on there as well so i mean there are certain pressure points on there that are incredibly erotic and i think a lot of girls that delve into foot fetishism have found those good points at least i have (laughs) what is your favorite non-sexual body part on yourself and what is your favorite on a partner eyes eyes both ways eyes you can tell so much about someone whether they're in pain they're hurting they're depressed they're happy they're sad they're hiding things eyes I have a weird color too to mine as well. So I'm happy about that. And it makes me different. (laughs) Is it hard for you to hide things? Mm. Yes and no. 
not really. I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> Sad things or things that I just don't want to trouble other people with. Or I mean, it's hard for me to hide things if I'm really excited about them and I want to tell somebody. But mm-hmm. yeah, if, if I feel like I'm troubling somebody else, I'm like, nah, just keep it to myself. I wanted to talk a little bit about your own podcasting and your own Demon Seed Radio. Tell me a little bit about that show. Uh, we have been on hiatus thanks to the coronavirus and my business partner moving across the country. Uh, we hope to regroup by Chicago Exotica. Um, we did start here in the Orlando area. In, we started with Tabby Fetish Talk in 2012. Yeah, 2012. And I want to say about 2014 we started doing demon seed radio we just kind of combined them together mm-hmm. um we predominantly base it on interviewing either uh, porn stars adult con- adult content producers up and coming girls that are just getting into the industry and then we do have a segment that we incorporated the taboo fetish talk on to demon seed radio where i do discuss different fetishes and a lot of that depends on who we have on or where we're broadcasting from. Like if we're broadcasting from a dungeon, we'll do an extended episode and interview everybody at the dungeon. We'll, you know, uh, say their part and give out any uh, information that they might have. Um, We just try to have a good time with it, really. We try to make people laugh. We try to teach people a few things. Um, We try to tell some fucked up news stories going on in the world to get some shock value out of it. (laughs) I do miss doing those because, man, there's been a lot of great news lately. People mm-hmm. are nuts. People are nuts. Uh, and we typically, if if the world gets shit back together in the next year, we typically broadcast from every adult convention in the States. Do you enjoy the art of the interview? I enjoy being interviewed more than I enjoy interviewing other people. If that makes sense. I feel like Mm -hmm. I get flustered a lot of times unless I really know the person or um, since on Demon Seed, we tend to do a lot more porn driven stuff and I'm much more of a fetish girl. So a lot of times I'm out of my element in that aspect, but um, I like interviewing other fetish friendly folks because I'm in my zone there. And, uh, I, I obviously like talking. I'm already losing my voice. And I don't think I've talked this much in a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Damn coronavirus. Um, so I, I enjoy talking and it's it's hard to shut me up sometimes. So yes, I definitely enjoy the art of the interview. (laughs) What is your favorite fetish? Tickling. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) See how quickly I was like, yeah, tickling. (laughs) Giving and receiving. Lee Andler. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. I like making people laugh and I like laughing and laughter is the best medicine and you get a workout with it and you get a boost of endorphins. So I love everything about tickling. I love the fact that from the first time I talked to you to do this podcast, you have been one of the most fun people I have communicated with. Really? <laughs> I mean, what did I do? You, you said, hey, doll. And I was like, <laughs> I just started squirming like, oh, this is really sweet. I like being a doll. That's nice. Uh-huh. But it's just, you have this beautifully friendly familiarity 
with somebody that you may not have even met yet. And you're very friendly and very approachable in that way. I really, I believe in being kind to others and treating people how I want to be treated. And I like making new friends, even if sometimes I can be a little overbearing. I mean, that's typically in public more than it is in like interviews here because I can't be loud, obnoxious right here. I'd probably scare my cats. <laughs> um, but, you know, yeah, I, I believe in treating others the same way that I want to be treated and, you know, a warm, friendly vibe. And I, I love making new friends. So I, I think if anybody doesn't come off like that, then maybe they're the ones with the problem. <laughs> You describe yourself as a complete workaholic. Holy shit, yeah. <laughs> I, was writing clip, I was writing clip descriptions and uploading content before we got on here. What drives you? I'm a Capricorn. Mm. <laughs> That's my only explanation. Um, I grew up, I don't want to say poor, but grew up not getting everything I wanted you know it was kind of a, a, a fight to survive kind of thing you know, I had a roof over my head I had clothes I had food it was nothing like a poverty stricken situation but it was definitely lower middle class and I saw my parents struggle and I said to myself that I, I never want to be in that situation I never wanted to have to work a 12-hour day at a job I absolutely despise I have <laughs> have because I have had vanilla jobs but I I I want to be able to work and earn money and do something I enjoy for as long as I can do it I mean I don't know how long I can keep this up you know I can break a hip tomorrow and I'm screwed well and I'll just shoot cast fetish but <laughs> but I I have been in car accidents and I've been injured to the point where I can't work um, for a little, you know, for like a periods of time. So I feel like when I have the opportunity to do so, I want to do it and I want to do it to the fullest extent and I don't want to give up. And I always want to have a backlog content and I always want to make sure my fans are getting what they want. As long as the custom videos keep pouring in, I can't make people wait on the back burner. I feel bad about taking people's money and then not giving them their content right off the bat. I have customs right now that I'm like, I haven't had the time to shoot it. I feel so bad. <laughs> so I, I just, it's, it's just my nature to constantly, as long as I'm doing something I love to do it to the fullest extent and just not slow down. I have always been amazed that people like Darla Crane and Ashley Renee, who I adored back when I was in college, are still rocking the fetish world and still doing amazing work. God, I haven't seen either of them in forever either. What do you think you'll be doing in about 20 years? Um, hopefully trying to do math that makes me 56 i mean i know some women in this industry in their 60s so i and there is a market and a place for it and a fan base normally even if the model gets older that fan base still sticks with them if they were there from the start so i would like to hope that i still have fans and i would probably probably not be doing any bondage or anything that i could possibly get hurt um, but I'd like to think that maybe I would still be doing some of the tamer stuff or still going to conventions, but more than anything, I would hope to have 
my own production company and me being doing more of the filming behind the camera and teaching girls and maybe even some sort of like a fetish modeling agency that's really catered towards fetish modeling because there's so many different agencies out there but they all cater more to the porn girls versus the fetish girls so maybe something along those lines but i guess we'll see what the future holds I really think we've only scratched the surface with you. So at some point, we're going to have to come back and, and revisit the one right. and only Miss Whitney Morgan. All right, cool. <laughs> I'll be here. <laughs> Tell folks uh, what this is always the elevator pitch time. Tell folks what you want them to know. And uh, if you have anything special you'd like to promote. Uh, Google me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I come up on the search engine optimization thing. Uh, my Twitter's Ms. Whitney Morgan. My Instagram is Miss Whitney Morgan because some jackass got the first one shut down. Um, website's Miss Whitney Morgan. And I will be in Chicago for Exotica July. <laughs> July 16th, 17th, and 18th. And I will also be at Villain Arts Tattoo Convention that's in the exact same convention hall the exact same weekend in Chicago. That's so well, I'm gonna, I'm, You know, the funny thing is, is I kept harassing both um, conventions on Twitter and Instagram. I don't, I don't know. I want to think somewhere deep down the inside, maybe I had something to do with it because I kept going like, you know, they've had baseball card conventions and what was the, uh, like cosplay conventions. I was like stuff where there's kids at running, coinciding with Exotica. I'm like, y'all aren't thinking, y'all aren't thinking at all. You have an 18 and up convention and you just make sure everybody in the entire building is 18 and up. And then you won't have any problems when I'd be like, oh my God, a kid went down the wrong hallway. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you guys should have, you, they should run coincide because they're both 18 and up. And boom, finally, finally. But I'll be running back and forth between the two conventions because they're literally a hallway down from each other. <laughs> that is awesome. Whitney, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show and we look forward to seeing you again. Thank you, doll. I appreciate it. Mwah. I was simply smitten by the wonderful way Whitney and I communicated. She is so much fun and you can tell that in every image she shares with the public. To say I want to party with this woman is an understatement, but for me, that would just be sharing a, another lovely conversation. Next week, we visit with the co-author of The Ethical Slut. It's Janet Hardy. She's followed by the founders of the website, Kinkley, and later in the month, it's mainstream porn star, Brittany Amber, and the hedonish Rachel Rose. As we bring you two shows a week to keep you company on the beach or wherever you happen to listen. I'm John, also known as Hi There Catsuit, thanking you so much for being with us. I hope I've earned the privilege of your time, and I remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What women and other wonderful humans want connects with you. Leave us a message at 513-788-2527. And we invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter what Women Want podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at www.podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky. We're kinky done differently.